Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Say the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Yunus, and I am really excited about a series that we're in right now that we just changed our plans because as we were doing Jesus 101 right before Easter, we got to the Sermon on the Mount and I was like, oh my gosh, there's just so much here. And this is such a great place to really land on what does it mean to follow Jesus. So we're going to follow Jesus together in the next six weeks through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I am joined by a great friend of mine named Rachel Toon. You can call her Rev Rachel if you want, but I'll <laughs> I'll let her introduce herself. Rachel, welcome to the show. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so Rach, tell these guys a little bit about you as we get into doing some Bible study together. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be joining you. So I'm the Dean of Spiritual Formation at Montreat College. So I teach freshman Old New Testament courses, which is a lot of fun. That's amazing. More importantly, I was an uh, intern to the one and only Nicole Eunice back Yay. in the day. So glad to be back for a little reprise. Oh my gosh, this is so fun, you guys. So Rachel and I are actually together and like in live in person and figuring I'm, out all the technology. <laughs> it's going fine. Or about it. <laughs> and I've been telling Rachel just how much I enjoy our community and how really we're just opening scripture together and exploring and asking questions and discovering what God has for us. And I just think it's going to be really fun for the next few weeks. That Rachel and I get to do this together. Okay, Rach, I have to ask you a question before we start. Okay. Who is, this is such a nerdy question, but it's the same question we are everyone on this podcast, if I could. Who is just, you can't have a favorite Bible character because I feel like it changes in different seasons, but who's a favorite right now? Like just for right now in this season, who are you like drawn to? Such a good question. For nerds. For nerds. Oh, I actually think it's a good question for anyone following Jesus. You should put yourself in scripture and be like, man, if I could, okay, I'm gonna change the question a little bit. If you could like have dinner with one person, one person from the Bible, not, not Jesus, can't be Jesus though. One person from the Bible other than Jesus, who would it be? I'm going to have to say, and I'm, I'm actually stealing this from a dear friend of mine who's currently five, 
the person I would want to have dinner with, age five. Yeah, he's five. Elias. Uh, his favorite Bible character right now is Esther. Okay. And in talking with him about that, I'm like, yeah, Esther. I would love to have dinner with Esther. For one, it would be a great dinner. It would be a great party from yes. everything we know about her. <laughs> and I think it'd be really cool to get to know her a little bit. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, I think I would go with any, maybe one of the disciples who's not Peter, James, or John. Like, one of the other guys. I just think it would be cool. Like, Thomas. I just, I, I don't know. I think I'd be like, hey. like wants to get a little less press. It. Yeah, a little less press. And I'd just be like, tell me some stories, man. What was it like? And yeah, I think I would go. I mean, I was going to go Deborah, but I maybe I would go Gideon. I can't decide. I would like to have everyone over for a dinner. Right? <laughs> Answer your own. <laughs> you have a giant dinner party with the entirety of the Old Testament and it's, all the disciples. Yeah, the disciples. Yeah, so everyone's <laughs> together. That'll be what heaven's like. Okay, so. All right, you guys, we're going to um, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter five. So if you didn't listen to Jesus 101, I think this was the second, no, third week we talked about Jesus teaching. We started with Jesus baptism. Rachel said we we're talking about Jesus identity and how his identity was secure in his father before he did anything, before he did any of the ministry, how important it is that we are claimed as followers of Christ for our identity first. Then we talked about temptation and just the idea of what the world is going to present to us to come against our identity. Then we went into Jesus' teaching, and that's where we kind of opened up this concept of Jesus is our king who's inaugurating what it looks like to be in his kingdom. But there's so much here that now we're circling back to that. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12 today. And why don't we do this? Rach, why don't you read a couple of verses, and then I'll read a couple of verses. We'll go back and forth. Let's read the scripture together, everyone. And as we read it, Let's just listen for, as we always do with this Alive Method of Bible Study, just listen for phrases that stick out to you. Whenever we read scripture, we should always have questions. It doesn't matter if you're like Rachel, who has advanced degrees and is very, like, very learned in the ancient languages, or if you're just coming to the Bible for the first time, we always should have questions about what we're reading. So we're going to read it to you guys. Listen for what stands out to you. We're going to talk about what stands out to us today. And we'll take it from there. So let's go ahead. Matthew chapter five. Why don't you start us off, Rach? When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Whew. Lot there. I mean, how's like, what is it? What do you feel like the emotion is like when you when you hear it out loud? Like, what's the tone and emotion that you sort of feel through this passage? I feel like there's there's so much going on here that there's just you can feel that there's a lot here. There's yeah. a lot of richness and and that it's under the layer, under the surface a little bit. And we'll take a little a little prodding. But you. Yeah, it al- you almost feel it before you understand. It. Yeah. And I think that's probably Jesus's idea. I mean, I but the first thing the fir- in the first part, like as you were reading and I was listening to you, I felt relieved. Like I was like, this is good news. Like the the things that are called out here and we can talk about what those are, a couple of those are. But like 
this is kind of good news about kind of a way to be. But then it turns a little bit to me when it gets into persecution and all that. I'm like, oh, that's tough. What else stands out to you? I think if I was putting together my sort of divine kickball team of (laughs) the roster of people that I would want to have on my bench, this would not be it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I actually, in the first, in the first series, I said that, like, this is not, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, here comes King Jesus and like best and brightest come be on my team. And you're like, this is not them. This is like margins and, you know, yeah, not, not what people would pick, I think, for their team. So I agree with that for sure. That is an interesting part of it. So I have like, and then I, what, what phrases or words stand out to you that you're like, man, I'm curious about that. I like want to know more about that. I think that the first two Beatitudes still, these are, these are called that in kind of the traditional framing of this. They still kind of really get me. And um, it's almost hard for me to get to the rest of them just because I keep coming back to the first two of the poor in spirit and the ones who mourn. I just want to get inside what that's about. Yeah. And I feel like I do need to do a little bit of digging because, again, we kind of feel what Jesus is getting at. But there's there's so much here and that it really kind of compels me to want to know what what is he actually saying? What does it mean to be blessed? Mm-hmm. Who are those people like? Yeah. What does it mean to be blessed? And then it says in my text note, I think it's somewhere right around here, that this con- this uh, phrase poor in spirit isn't used anywhere else. So one of the things I mean, one of the easy, like low hanging fruit of Bible study is that when we see a phrase in scripture that we don't normally use, you can cross-reference and try to ask, okay, where else is it used so I can get a better handle on the definition? But there's a few mysterious things in scripture where you don't get to go cross-reference it anywhere else. So you've got to dig a little bit deeper and ask the question, what could this really mean? So let's go to, uh, what does it say? Our second sort of part of Bible study. Let's talk about the backstory here a little bit. Like you, you've, te- you've taught this and been looking at it for a little bit. What do we need to know coming into this in order to sort of do our very best at interpreting what's happening here? Well, there are there are really kind of two layers of backstory, I think, in this situation. And the first is just what happens right before chapter five. Yeah, yeah. And I think those are actually really important verses to get in, get what's going on in chapter five, where it says Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And so... We have this this setting of Jesus is talking about the gospel, the good news. Yeah. And it's about a kingdom and it's going to be about him. And and what's how do you access that kingdom through him? But Jesus is already setting the stage here and he is embodying it before he starts teaching about it, which I think is really beautiful, where you have all these these sick, broken, hurting people who are finding life and healing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's what came to mind, because we we say that a lot now in our modern context. We talk about finding life in Jesus and. I was just thinking about what he was doing actually was reversing everything that death or sin does to people. Like if if everywhere he's going, he's healing all kinds of diseases. He's he's giving people back like full life in his action. And then he then he switches to teaching. So it would I mean, to me, it stands to reason that, again, he's teaching about what does full life look like in him. And so I think that that obviously literally sets the stage. I mean, the next scene is the Sermon on the Mounds. But the other layer beneath that is really kind of the layer underneath Matthew, which is the Old Testament. And that's true of, of the New Testament as a whole. But Matthew especially is writing to Jews. Right. And so he he is building directly on 
really important Old Testament passages. So when you're reading Matthew, when in doubt, there's probably some Old Testament reference that you can look up. Right. When you're like, why are we talking about, (laughs) why are we talking about this random reference to like snakes or like whatever? There's probably some. Exactly. And so the the cross references and the study Bible are going to be clutch. So you don't have to have the Old Testament memorized (laughs) like the Pharisees did. God bless them. But that's going to be where we're going to want to camp out because Jesus is going to be building directly on these really key Old Testament places. So what do you think he was doing then? Like if you if you take in mind like what you know, you just told us that you teach Old Testament at Montreal College. Like what is he doing here? Is there is there is it important that we understand what he might be? What would they and what what might people listening to Jesus sort of understand either at the time or even looking back after his death or resurrection? What would they understand about what's happening here? God's word will change our life. But sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. I think Jesus has really kind of given us the Old Testament highlight reel. Okay. In some really cool ways with this whole going up, sitting on the mountain. Anybody who was familiar with the Old Testament stories is going to be like, oh, Moses, mm-hmm. important guy, mountain, <laughs> teaching, teaching, so, God, like all of that. Yeah. Right. And so and we're going to see as we go through chapter five that Jesus is going to going to bring up the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. uh, all 10 of them. But he's going to going to reframe them and reclaim them in a lot of ways. So he's going to be talking about that. And then as we're getting into the Beatitudes, we're hearing echoes of some of the really important themes of the prophets. Okay. So he's hitting up he's hitting up the prophets. And we'll probably get into this. But the first words out of his mouth are going to make you think about Psalm 1, if you're a Jew. Mm-hmm. So the whole Old Testament scriptures are the, right, it's the law, it's the prophets and the writings. That's how Jews think about the arrangement of the Old Testament. And I think Jesus just tackled all of them <laughs> in the first, like, two verses of the sermon. Yeah, crazy. Like, so succinct. And this is, you know, we'll get to this in a minute. But when we get to the end of Matthew 7, which we talked about before, it says the people were astonished by this teaching. And if you do, and this is really what I'm asking you guys to consider doing over these next six weeks is read the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. Don't don't necessarily read it for Bible study. Maybe this week, just read it. Don't don't focus too much on any one bit, but try to get the whole feel like we just did get this emotional tone from the Beatitudes. Read the whole thing and just let it sit with you. You don't have to understand all of it. And it should disturb you a little bit. That's I think I think that's the design is that it is in it's in both parts comforting and disturbing. And it gives us this great opportunity to just sink into it rather than study it. And then we'll study it together over these weeks. But I just want to flip back to Psalm 1 because you said that. And, you know, Psalm 1 opens with blessed. And so Jesus is opening with the same blessed. But how would you connect Psalm 1? I'm going to read a little bit of it, and then you tell us how you connect it, and we'll get to kind of what does this mean for us today. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So I'm just going to stop there. And you said that if you were a Jew listening to Jesus open up with this concept of blessed, you would think of Psalm 1. So what's what's happening there? 
that would would be the connection. Well, first, I think even just recognizing we really need to get inside what Jesus means. We talks about when he uses the language of bless. Yeah. The Bible uses the language of bless because that's been so co-opted by Instagram. You know, spring break in Cabo, hashtag blessed. And not quite clearly, that's not what's happening if right. you read the description. Yeah, it's like the opposite, actually. Yeah. Like, blessed are you when you mourn and when you're poor in spirit and when, you know, all, when you're persecuted. That's like the opposite. Right. Of what I would and sometimes blessed. people will translate blessed happy. And there's a dimension of that, but but clearly it's not just an emotion because these are emotionally not happy people. Yeah. There's something, there's some other layer to it. So so in Psalm 1, blessed are the man who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked. So that the Hebrew word for bless, forgive me for getting a little, a little nerdy. nerdy on a yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, nerdy. Sick. I'm sorry. I wish we had like music that would come on. I know, but nerdy your check, glasses up. Okay. We're here for it. Your glasses up. We're doing it. Uh, and so the root of the word bless actually means to be going the right way. Okay. Going the right direction in Psalm 1. And I do think that's very much what Jesus is getting at. Okay. And Psalm 1 lives that out, right? Because it says, blessed is the one who doesn't go this way, but goes this way. Okay. It means you are going the right direction into God's kingdom. Okay. Okay. So given that, that was not actually that nerdy, but the, I mean, I know you could have like said more, but we'll get into that next week. Okay. Given all of that, when we ask the question, okay, what does it mean? And remember, guys, when we do Bible study, we want to we want to look for the principle that applies at the time that it was written or said as much as it applies to us. Like if we're going to get to a principle, it's going to be timeless. It's not going to be bound by circumstances or demographic. It's going to be as true then as it is true now. And then we can apply it to our lives. So for you, when you, and obviously there's so many here, I mean, each of these Beatitudes is a principle in and of itself. So there's, you know, as many here as we could find. But if we were going to just name one or two things, what would you draw out of this that's sticking out for you today, Rachel? Well, I think in this section, Jesus is talking about what it means to be a member of God's kingdom. And what's so beautiful is what that definition actually is. And it's when you are when you are burned out, when you are bullied, when you are sad and all these other things, you are going the right way into God's kingdom, which is totally against what we think. You know, we think of country club membership. That's yeah. not the vibe that we get. Yeah. But Jesus really reframes what it takes to to be a part of what, what God is doing and to enter into what God is doing in the world. And that is that is really good news, especially I teach college kids. And I think one of the most pressing things for a college student is, am I going the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? What is my you know, existential, career, existential career crisis? And just the grace and the sweetness of, of Jesus assuring us that this is what it means to be going the right way. Yeah. And you're if I can say, uh, I mean, this is a place of honesty. You're in your 30s. I'm in my 40s. Your kids are in their teens and 20s, your students. I don't think the question's changed. I think no matter what age you are, the question is like, am I going the right way? Like, so there's something so beautiful for me. What I take from this is that this is the way of humility. There is some action here, but this is so not based on action. It's absolutely to me, like almost an attitude toward life. Like, Man, life is hard. Man, I do. I do struggle. I do suffer. Gosh, I do want justice. I want mercy for people. Like that is really an attitude of the heart more than an action. And he's saying this to people who've been like pulled just weighed down by action, you know, by what good things you need to do. So when I think about that, yeah, the principle I pull from that is that Jesus is calling. It is pointing to an attitude of the heart. And I, you know, I've asked myself, was that true then? Is that what he meant then? I think I think that is a part of what he meant. And is that what he means now? And I'm like, yeah, I think that's still what it means to follow the living Jesus and be a member of his kingdom. And I think, too, as we're going to get into the Sermon on the Mount, which is arguably 
is some of the hardest ethical teaching in world history, especially when you think about the fact that, that Jesus is talking to everybody. And he's not talking about the varsity spiritual team here. He's saying this is the expectation for everyone. But that that starts from a place of grace, yeah. real grace, that when you realize you need God, you're going the right direction. Mm. Okay, so what does this mean for you today? Like as we're wrapping up and we spent just a few minutes in God's word and you think about, okay, what is this, you know, today's Monday when we're recording this, what is this going to mean to me on Wednesday morning? What is this going to mean to me on Thursday when I'm going to bed? What does this mean to me on Friday at the grocery store? Like, what does it mean for you? How does this apply to your life? I'm of the disposition where if I'm, feeling sad or frustrated or tired. I want to avoid it and move beyond it as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> when actually I think the invitation of of the Beatitudes is saying, don't don't turn away from that. You actually need God in that. And so even just taking the space to kind of recognize where am I at and am I recognizing that I really do need God? And that's uh, the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is going to carry us far beyond that place. But I think it's going to keep bringing us back to that place. And so for me to be okay with sitting in those moments when I'm when I'm poor in spirit, when I'm sad and being mindful of other people who are invited into that. Right. This is fleeing the door wide open for everybody. That's kind of I think where I land. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like recognizing that the attitude or the 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 disposition like you, of desperation I want to avoid so much. And yet, like, this is the place where I feel like Jesus is looking at all of us in the eye and saying, I find you when you're there. Like, so if you keep trying to find yourself and fix yourself and make it better yourself and you don't come to me, I'm waiting at the other end of your desperation. You can keep trying to fix it yourself, but I'm you're not going to find me there. You're going to find me at the end of it. That's sort of my takeaway. And it's a real discipline, I think, to open ourselves up and become like children, really need a father, need need what Jesus is offering us. And it's beautiful. It's rigorous and it's beautiful and it's an ongoing process. But I think there's joy and freedom on the other side. Yes. And amen. Amen. And amen. All right, you guys, we'll talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.